0: Hi, everyone, and welcome. This is Seek Sustainable Japan. I'm JJ Walsh here in Hiroshima, Hiroshima City. And today I'm talking with Tom Miyagawa Colton, who is also in Hiroshima. Thanks so much for joining, Tom. Thanks, (laughs) Joy. It's great to have you here. Now, you have moved from the big city of London. I did some Google searching this morning. London has 9 million people. Uh, you lived in Tokyo, 14 million people, and now you live in a small town of Mitarai, which has a population of?
1: Um, it's less than 200, so, yeah.
0: <laughs> wow, so quite a transition from city to rural, but you're enjoying your life there?
1: Yeah, very much. Um, so we moved here in 2015, um, so yeah, it's been, it's been really quick i mean uh, these years have kind of flown by um so yeah this is this is like uh bio um so yeah we moved in 2015 and then my wife was the they have this kind of job here called the Chiki Okoshi uh which is yeah like a rural revitalization officer and it's you work for the local government um and they do things that are yeah related to kind of um revitalizing the region um and then yeah and so that's like a three-year contract um and they kind of provide a house with that as well um yeah and then we've just been here ever since so yeah so so this oh sorry yeah
0: so looking looking at the map you can see hiroshima city here and then you're in hiroshima prefecture you're actually in Kude township is it
1: yeah so this these islands so the islands that come from kure um these are part of the tobishima kaido so they're all connected by bridges um and yeah so we're we're right on the edge of actually we're right on the edge of hiroshima prefecture so the next island that's connected by bridge to our island is part of ehime prefecture so it's actually a part of shikoku (laughs) Officially,
0: yeah. Yeah. Isn't so, that yeah, wild? Um, and you're right next to the Shimanami Kaido cycling route and all those beautiful bridges.
1: Yeah. So I think, um yeah, so, like, it's quite popular with cyclists and um, kind of people who like biking and driving. Um, so recently the movie um, Drive My Car, which is doing uh very well. So they filmed that in this town uh, in Mitalai.
0: So. Is that right? And Mitalai has kind of a, a dark past, um, but but similar to Miyajima, right? Like it was it was once a brothel, um, it was uh, used in that way and has that history, but it, it has some really interesting like old theater in the town and stuff, like, which dates back through history, right?
1: Yeah, so the, the town itself Um, well you can kind of see it in that picture that it's just kind of on the (laughs) just sticking out into the into the sea Um, but the whole town is a historical preservation district Um, and so this place was actually developed during the Edo period so um, after 1666 people started living here and most of the town itself is actually like landfill so kind of Edo period landfill, so they just kind of increased the size of the town, um, and then yeah, so it was a it was a big kind of trading hub um, for ships that were heading through the Seto Inland Sea towards Osaka. Um, so yeah, and then it just developed after that, and there was a yeah a very big um, kind of red light district here. So that's kind of a <laughs> slightly yeah. Um, I mean, I think people, yeah. But it's, you know, it's
0: very common across Japan in quite a lot of the the places which are now big tourist sites, right? Um, yeah. Now, one of the big transitions from city to country life, of course, is uh, finding a bigger place to rent or buy a house and garden. Finding your own big house and garden is one of the biggest appeals. You bought an old house and remodeled it? yeah
1: yeah so we um so we're actually so part of the rural revitalization project they give you a house as well just to live in for three years uh so we're actually we were renting a property oh we're in that house that's actually two doors down from the house that we bought so we always used to pass this house and half of the houses on these islands are empty anyway um and so we just asked uh who the owner is, and like if they'd be interested to sell it to us. Um, and then, yeah, the, the owners were really happy to uh, sell the property to us. And we just kind of, yeah, completely <laughs> modernized, like IKEA'd the inside.
0: But um, so you, you kept like these exposed, beautiful, original beams in the mm-hmm. house. Uh, you did plaster walls. Look at that view the big windows yeah. a gorgeous remodel well done
1: it was it was really nice I mean, we were kind of working with the local carpenter so and his he's like quite young so he's uh i think 43 or something um, so he, he's he's he likes kind of modern design and his wife does the architectural drawings and things so they were like they were amazing um, I had almost no input, so it was mainly uh, my wife and them, <laughs> they just, dis- yeah, uh, I was just in charge of, like, demolition.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just the fun parts, right?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool.
0: it's, it's like we hired people to to do the room remodeling professionally, but I, I did all the plastering. So I taught myself how to do earth oh. plaster and I really enjoyed that. And I got the kids doing it, um, oh. but all the hard stuff I left to the professionals. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, Tom, you are such a talented collaborator and so skilled in many different areas as an entrepreneur. Do you think that has helped you? You kind of keep a steady income stream by doing so many different things while you're there?
1: Um, Yeah I mean that's very kind I mean I think it's uh, uh, yeah I think my policy is actually I don't know if I have a policy but um, yeah we I I just kind of end up saying yes to interesting projects (laughs) which isn't always uh, great Um, but yeah, I think before moving to a place like this, I was kind of always thinking that it's going to be important just to kind of have a lot of different income streams. So then if one um, doesn't go so well, then you've got backups that you can focus on. And then, um, yeah, so that, that's that been quite good. So, for example, like, um, yeah, with the, with the kind of COVID situation, then... You're kind of maybe when the shops, you can't open the shop, then you can focus more on the other, um, like, photography and things like that and other projects. Um, so that's been, yeah, a good way to get through. So.
0: Yeah. Your uh, photography projects are amazing. Um, yeah. On your your website, TomInJapan.com, uh, you show a lot of the beautiful photos that you've done mostly around this area, um, but you also had a project, since today is March 11th, um, it's great to mention the people of Tohoku we're thinking of today, and you did have a project in Tohoku as well, um, right after the disaster, is that right?
1: Yeah, so after the disaster I, um, so it's really strange because uh, right on on 3.11, um, just randomly, I was kind of traveling around Japan, um, and I just visited this place called Kaminoseki down in Yamaguchi, where where the locals and then kind of other kind of protest, young kind of uh, activists uh, have been kind of fighting the building of a nuclear power plant um, for like 30, 40 years um so i just, i was kind of taking pictures of them and just hearing their stories and visiting that island um and then on the so i was hearing all this all these comments about nuclear power and the dangers of ha- having nuclear power in japan where you've got um natural disasters and then on the flight back was uh 311 and then um and then fukushima um and so i contacted the uh all these correspondents and then the la times um, correspondent john gliona got back to me and then we went back down to yamaguchi to kind of feature that and then after that i was kind of working with him up in fukushima uh, uh fukushima mm-hmm. and miyagi in, in tohoku um to try and kind of cover the some of the stories yeah um, yeah
0: Amazing. And it's it's good to remember. I think last year, like I said, before we started, last year was the big year because it was ten years after. But we know that the communities there are still trying to rebuild and still trying to go back to some sort of normal life, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean like some it was it was kind of um so we did some like volunteer work in a place called Ogatsu as well. And that was quite interesting because you every time you go back you kind of see how they're kind of rebuilding their lives and um, yeah, just even in the interviews, I mean, these were like really kind of, you know, tragic stories. Um, And it was just amazing because, I mean, it was was hard almost to kind of get through the interviews just because the (laughs) the stories are so horrific. Um,
0: And you said you did some volunteering as well?
1: Yeah, some volunteering up in Ogatsu. and so, yeah, that was that was good. That was kind of like you get to really know the people if you keep going back to the same place. Um, yeah. So that was interesting. But I've heard
0: I've heard that a lot um, from writers or people who've done organizations in Tohoku and working with the people and and you've done a lot of that community development as well. Now living in mettai in another small community. Um before we talk about that, uh, you wrote a book called <laughs> Organic Americans uh, in Japanese about organic farms in America. It's mm. so interesting.
1: Yeah, so this was um this is a while back now, so it's uh so I did the trip in 2009. No, yeah, 2009, I think. Um and the book came out in 2012. Um, so it was just yeah, we, I just crossed the, the northern states of the U.S. Just visiting organic farms, um, seeing what they had to say about. Been a
0: great trip. I would love to do that. Um, that's something I talked to a lot of organic and natural farmers in Japan on the series. It's such a popular topic and I'm so glad we have more interest in growing your own food um but going across organic farms in the states the really famous places like stony brook farms and places I've heard of so that must have been a great experience
1: it was interesting yeah I mean so um I just kind of like piggybacked on the woofing system and so they uh it's not I don't think it's live anymore but they had this um there was a guy who Kind of set up one of the woofing kind of sites and then each of the each of these places had like literally like a paragraph just saying what they're doing uh but the that paragraph was so varied between yeah from place to place uh so the initial idea was like i knew nothing about organic farming or farming in general at the time so um it was just going across and volunteering and working with the people, at the same time photographing and interviewing and then just kind of seeing what connects all these different, if there's anything that connects all these different um, groups, um, people and individuals. Yeah. Uh,
0: was it commissioned, like from a Japanese company?
1: No, it was, um, yeah, self-funded. So wow. I just I, so
0: the big question is Tom when is the english version coming out?
1: <laughs> yeah I might have to <laughs> update it a little bit I think uh, some of that information might be quite old but um, yeah,
0: really interesting I'd love to read it
1: Yeah definitely like I mean, I think the original idea was to publish it in english but somehow it came out in japanese first <laughs> I can't complain. Yeah. No
0: no that that happens you got to choose your market Hmm. um now you have recently uh collaborated with one of your big collaborators uh a writer who you've done Setouchi cookbook with right tom schiller
1: yeah
0: um you guys were featured your photos and his words uh by the bbc travel recently this is exciting this is from your area right
1: yeah so this is um so the shimanami this is from the shimanami kaido so this is uh literally just a very short ferry ride across to the next island um and this is kind of the more of the popular of the two kind of bridged island archipelago routes this is the uh the famous one Um,
0: this is a gorgeous photo is this by drone how did you get this one
1: yeah so we flew a drone from the top of so they've got this really fancy um uh observation deck on Oshima Island or was I think designed by Kuma Kengo or something yeah I can't remember exactly but um so that's so we flew the drone from the top of that yeah
0: what gorgeous weather you're so lucky as a photographer you must be so happy when there's good weather
1: oh yeah yeah no we're really lucky I mean I think the season could have been better I guess because everything's looking a bit brown but um I think people don't. And I
0: love this Tatara Bridge, um, so famous on the Shimanami Kaido, not too far from Onomichi, right? And uh, you have the big lemon uh, orchard just below it uh, going across this bridge. You can clap the wooden pieces together and there's a special dragon echo. Have you done that?
1: (laughs) I haven't done that, actually. That sounds good. (laughs) yeah. And then you
0: were you were talking in the article about the Murakami pirates. Yeah, and uh, this is a great photo. I love this.
1: So this is um, Murakami Arashi, who's one of the descendants of one of the the main kind of like pirate clan, um, and he's opened this place called Waka. I don't know you you might have featured. Oh,
0: that. I love Waka. It's fantastic.
1: Um, so yeah, I mean that. That was our first time to visit Wacker, but it was, yeah, it was amazing.
0: Yeah. He's got uh, like little glam- glamping ends at the front, which look like igloos. Um, yeah. And beautiful, like modern, gorgeous design cafe. Uh, yeah. And he does like cycle assistance, right, for people doing the Shimano Kaido. He's really a great entrepreneur. Maybe we can collaborate on getting him on the show sometime. I'll oh, definitely translate. He,
1: well, I mean, he, he speaks English as well. Oh, <laughs> does
0: he? Yeah. Oh, wow. Timing. I might need you as an insider, though. Okay. Because <laughs> you know him so well, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you uh collaborate. One of your big collaborations is with the Island Pictures.
1: Island Pictures, yeah. So that's the main kind of, I guess. Uh, my main kind of income source is um making yeah content so kind of pictures and uh writing and translation um kind of calling translation projects and things like that so um yeah we set this so i set this company up with a videographer called um, hiroaki itakura and so we've just been yeah we, it's a very small operation, but we just kind of keep it going. Uh, but also it's quite good because it doesn't really matter where you are. So, I mean, um, my partner Hiroaki, he's, in, he's based in like Fukuoka and Tokyo. And so we only really meet when we either work together or other than that, it's like t- twice a, twice a year. <laughs> like actually physically meet each other, yeah. but
0: that's that's okay. That's like normal for how a lot of people are working now, mm-hmm. um, teleworking or working remotely, right?
1: Definitely, yeah.
0: Um, but you're doing so much. You're you're doing a lot of writing, uh, translation. Uh, you're running a cafe on the weekends. You're doing a lot of different projects. Um, but that's that's very Thank clever to have a, a wide net of possible work I think especially when you're outside the city do you find that works better
1: yeah I mean I I think sometimes I kind of take on a little bit too much like it's like you know you do too much and then you don't everything you do kind of like (laughs) not to its full potential but um no it's it makes things interesting so um that's good yeah the the cafe is kind of starting to get a little bit more popular. I mean, it's been a bit tricky with COVID, but um, yeah, uh, mainly just kind of scones and tea. So not too- I,
0: I saw this um, this Sanin article that you did. So <laughs> yeah. you you work for the setouchi area, um, which is around where you live, but also this Sanin area, which is kind of the other side of Chugoku, um but it was nice to see your article here
1: yeah i think it um yeah that was quite a while back but um yeah i think it's the kind of classic case that a lot of the companies um that are based in tokyo they prefer to use someone on the ground uh rather than sending yeah like paying for a photographer and a and a writer and maybe like a translator to come from Tokyo, they can just send me and then <laughs> I'll just do it all. So, uh, well, you
0: can, you can do it all. You can do the translation, you can do the writing, you can do the photography. And then you you collaborate with a lot of creators and, and people to work with as well, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, I, that's been really interesting because, um, yeah, some of the projects are quite big. And then so we can kind of uh, connect with lots of other writers and photographers living in this area, especially kind of, um, yeah, kind of English writers and things. So, yeah, and, that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, you said that your township of Mitadai mm-hmm. only has about uh, 200 people, and I saw your article here on Setuchi Reflection Trip. Okay. Um, it's beautiful and a great article. um have you noticed since you are writing more about this area that there's been an influx of visitors at all (laughs)
1: um yeah i don't know if it's if i've had yeah that kind of influence but um i think there's definitely been like over these last seven years like there's a big kind of um entrepreneur here who's um created all these different restaurants and shops and things um there's more people who are moving to the area and starting their own businesses and um, so there's been this kind of like steady growth i think um so it's it's been weird because in terms of tourist numbers we've actually seen a rise after covid so in the years after covid the numbers have actually risen so um I think there's been more of a recognition of this place as, this, um, as one of the destinations um, within Hiroshima, yeah.
0: It's interesting here, uh, one of the pictures is from the Meiji period yeah. and how the township has, has changed. Of course, there's no jetty, like pier, and there's no bridges. But if you look at how it looks now, it's really interesting comparison, isn't
1: it? Yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it's slight, yeah, it's kind of like slightly changed. Um, Like the seafront has changed quite a bit because they've put in these big kind of storm barriers because they had a big typhoon that came through in the late, uh, I think it was in the 1990s. Um, so before they used to have these kind of a row of Japanese pine trees and then these kind of stone cobbled walls so that would have been amazing to see but
0: oh yeah I can see that here um you wouldn't think this area would be affected by any natural disasters because it's so protected it's like a protected cove right with all the islands around
1: yeah I think um it's the only real uh danger is well i mean earthquakes can kind of hit anywhere but um in particular here it's typhoons yeah so you've got like two really big uh tidal changes in the Seto inland sea uh, every day and then throughout the the month you've got these kind of like high tides like um kind of levels of the tides and so, if a, I think it was like the perfect storm when a, a typhoon runs through the gap between Shikoku Island and Kyushu Island and then hits you directly at the same time as the tide is on the highest tide of the month and it's on the high tide. And so, what I think in the 1990s that happened, and then uh, so the whole area got completely flooded.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. And with climate change, we're seeing more and more areas that never really have trouble with uh, natural disasters having trouble. Right. Yeah. So it's it's really going to affect all of us. But it, it looks like a nice protected cove most of the time. Most of the so- time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it looks like a lake, basically
0: yeah uh let's talk about Setochi cookbook because that was a that's a big collaborative project that you're working on right
1: yeah so at the moment um so we started this project Setochi cookbook um with the writer who wrote the uh the bbc article um so tom schiller so he's um like a food writer <clears throat> and uh his partner is also a chef uh, a professional Chef. So, yeah, this is basically like a crossbook book and a travel <laughs> log, I guess. Um, so our aim is, one, to kind of introduce um, more people, like in the English-speaking world, to uh, Japanese food culture, um, and, and in particular, this kind of region, regional cuisine of the Setochi which is the Seto Inland Sea um, but also kind of featuring articles on um, foodstuffs uh, on places um, and destinations within the Seto Inland Sea uh, so it's kind of like yeah uh, <laughs> not the traditional kind of cookbook but
0: it looks great are you doing the photography the food photography
1: yeah, so I'm doing the photography, and then mainly Tom Tom Schiller is doing the writing, um, and and then we kind of like help each other out. So sometimes I do the writing as well.
0: I have never heard of honey glazed sardines. Yeah, that's a sweet.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of it's um there's a few kind of original recipes in there as well um the few more traditional ones so we like to kind of keep it um, a mix but also all of, i think most of the recipes we're trying to be careful that uh, we make the recipes accessible to someone to people who aren't living in japan so with you can make japanese food with ingredients that aren't maybe that difficult to find
0: um, yeah no it looks great um is the idea that it's going to be like a printed book or an ebook as well
1: i mean i think yeah in an ideal situation someone will come in and say this needs to be in print and then <laughs> we say thank you but um uh, for the time being i think we'll just kind of build it up on the website um and i think uh yeah it's kind of it works quite well because then we can create it at our own pace um, and just keep updating it, so.
0: I have never, I'm very excited about Seaweed Salt.
1: Seaweed Salt. I've never
0: heard of that.
1: I can't, I don't know which one you're.
0: Amabito no Moshio.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Amabito no Moshio. So they're actually on two islands away from us. And they, um, yeah, so people have been making sea salt there for, since the Jormon period, which is probably over a thousand years ago, um, or around a thousand years ago. And they discovered these kind of archeological remains of how they made the salt. And then Amambita have kind of recreated that process. Um, So using this kind of Hondawara seaweed. Um, and then that adds this kind of extra level of umami. Um, but that, that place was actually featured on a Netflix show called Salt Fat Acid Heat. And they, their sales just went, yeah, crazy.
0: Wow. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. So a lot of people in the States, I think, are buying it. So, yeah.
0: so it's here. Your picture is here. That's amazing. Is that, is that kombu? What type of seaweed is that?
1: So it's a, it's a type of seaweed called hondawala. Yeah. Um, which is just like a kind of seaweed that's local to the area. Um,
0: and, and this is the, how they used to make it? In the clay pots? Boiling yes. On fires?
1: Wow. Yeah. So they um, so they have this kind of... So in the actual factory, they, they make it in these massive cauldrons. Um, but they also have these kind of workshop events that you can experience how to make it in the original style um so
0: beautiful i think i did a triathlon many years ago here on coming Kami- yeah
1: yeah no I, uh, most of the kind of those kind of active events are held there so like trail runs and triathlon
0: beautiful beautiful beaches and very nice island now connected by bridge or still ferry only
1: oh no so these are so it's part of the tobishima kaido route so it's it's one of the five islands that are connected by bridges so
0: oh these are the big vats where they make it in the factory you were talking about
1: yeah so i think and i think you can actually visit if you go to these the factory they'll probably show you around um and I love active, it. Active uh, salt as well. So.
0: And very sustainable. I mean, making making salt naturally, it's wonderful to support the local traditional craft. Um, but the fact that they're also supporting the seaweed industry, we know that seaweed is such an important carbon capture and it cleans the water and it helps us have healthy oceans. Um, so I love supporting anything to do with seaweed. We need more of this and we have so much, much great seaweed in Japan. Awesome.
1: definitely. Yeah. So I think as long as the seaweed is, uh, <laughs> yeah, cause I think, yeah, I hear a lot about the kind of decline in seaweed as well. Um, so yeah, have to really kind of protect it.
0: Well, maybe we can collaborate on doing a kelp or seaweed burger. For your Setuchi cookbook, nice. because uh, kelp burgers are now really booming in in the states, and I'm like, but we have lots of great kelp here in Japan, but we don't have kelp burgers. Why yeah. not? Let's do it. <laughs> That'd be really good. Um, have we covered all of your your big collaborative projects?
1: Yeah, I guess so. Um,
0: oh, not the cafe. Tell us about the cafe
1: okay uh so the cafe so i mean i'm in the cafe now um yeah
0: show
1: kind it of, oh sorry it's a bit of a mess but uh, oh should i do a walk and
0: yeah please i would love that
1: oh, actually sorry like i think so my um i've got a one-year-old son who dropped my macbook and now if i take the power cord out it. Kind of flat line so i can't go too far um
0: is this an old building that you've remodeled for the cafe
1: um so this is yeah i mean we haven't done that much apart from kind of uh paint it and things but this used to be the post this was the post office so this was the original post office in the, on the island cool um and so it's got the counter i can't really Get Do you still there.
0: have people coming by with letters to send?
1: <laughs> not, not recently. But <laughs> no, the, the new post office is just down the road. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, some people still remember working here. Um, so this is like a Thai Show era post office. So it's about hundred years old. Um, but yeah, it's a uh, now it's an English tea house.
0: So. Nice. I love it. <laughs> um so what kind of stuff do you make in the um, cafe?
1: In the cafe it's mainly just uh scones. Um so just focusing on scones and then uh we buy in this Assam tea from a uh from a farmer in Assam so we get that directly. Um yeah, so it's mainly just like you know, good good tea and good scones. And nice. It's get, it's getting there. Yeah. Are
0: you using like a traditional British scone recipe?
1: Yeah. So we we um. So my parents lived down in Devon in the UK, and so the, before we made the shop, we went down there, and then there was the, uh, yeah. So we met the lady from the Women's Institute who was like the local judge of a scone baking competition and then she told us the way to make like competition beating scones and so yeah Yeah. that's uh, we've just been using that method
0: that's awesome when i i lived in scotland for a year as a kid and uh i remember a lot of people taking scones very seriously like (laughs) you have to make it really well it's not just a biscuit Like we have at KFC in America, right? Not that kind of biscuit. This is a scone. Serious.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, like, I I think I saw a video on YouTube of there was, like, a tea house in in Japan in one of the cities somewhere. And then the lady was, like, this is how you make a scone. And then the comments were just exploded with, like, (laughs) that's not how you make a scone. So I think people, yeah. People get very passionate about scone making so. Yeah. But
0: that's a great way to connect to your community, isn't it? By running a, a shop of some kind where people can come in and have tea, and have a scone and, and chat, and really get to know you guys, right?
1: Yeah. So I think um, the original idea was, uh, so it's mainly actually my wife. So she wanted to create this uh, kind of community space um where people can just come and yeah just drop in and chat and and things and then it just makes it easier if it's like somewhere you can have a cup of tea and scone as well um so yeah like we get we get all yeah people from the community and tourists and yeah it's, it's interesting
0: that's nice uh, we have some great comments. Uh, we should give a shout-out. Kiwi Yamabushi has joined from YouTube. I make scones a lot, too. Would have to come and try them. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, Kayo says, I would definitely try the kelp burger. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get a kelp burger going. Uh, get Hiroshima. Beautiful cherry blossoms right now. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so we've got Achi and Kenmin no where... Uh, the salt factory is. They've got these really early cherry blossoms, and Ooh. everyone's there now with their, with their massive lenses. I don't, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Speaking of photography, what is your camera? Tell us a bit about what you use to take all these beautiful photos.
1: Okay, um, um so mainly just Nikon. So I'm a Nikon man. So uh, just Nikon lenses, but yeah, I mean on, on a I've got you use kind of various lenses, but mainly um on assignment you just rely on the twenty four seventy and then the seventy two hundred and like the kind of standard workhorse <laughs> lenses and then you can just that should kinda of cover most situations. So if anyone's wants to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, those two
0: lenses. That's great. I know uh, another photographer I've interviewed in the series, Alfie. Um, he has been to Onomichi not that long ago on a on a project. Um, so there's some Tokyo photographers who come down and shoot the area, but you're getting to know this area really well as a photographer, right?
1: Yeah. Although sometimes it's kind of like it works both ways because I think if you get too used to everything then it's it's actually harder to take <laughs> like good photos That's true,
0: before. right yeah. yeah like being a local too you stop seeing things with fresh eyes
1: yeah so i think sometimes it's even better just not to be from here and then coming from the outside but
0: now, one of the articles you had on the Setouchi Cookbook mm. is about a lemon farmer, Shintaro Takeuchi-san. Yeah. Um, lemons are a very long-time local product for that whole region. A lot of the... There is some islands that are shifting to olives, mm. um, but lemon seems to be a staple.
1: Yeah, so um, actually it's kind of... So in the Hiroshima, well, Hiroshima as a whole is really kind of pushing their brand of lemons at the moment, so that it is a massive kind of lemon um, growing industry here. Um, there's there's two real kind of really big centers for lemon production. One is Setoda on the uh, Shimanami Kaido, and then one's here. So, um, and depending on where, <laughs> where you come from, like, so this island says that they were the first ones to create the first domestic Japanese lemon, and then people in Setsoda say otherwise. Um, So this island is uh, famous for its orchor brand, Uh, and um, yeah, there's a lot of uh, citrus farmers, although I think it's the same thing that's happening across Japan, that a lot of the farmers are now um, in their... 80s some in their 90s um, and so a lot of the farmland is being abandoned and there's no one to kind of take over so we've got like a few kind of younger farmers and uh, Shintaro is one of them yeah
0: yeah it looks like a beautiful area he's taken over um this is something a lot of local f- uh, the organic farmers in the series have talked about um is a lot of the orchards or the farms are kind of being left because nobody's there around to work them anymore. Um, So there's sometimes a lot of rotting fruit on the tree, like perfectly good. Um, So it'd be great to have more people around the area who are willing to go and pick fruit for a day. Or, you know, maybe we can invite people to come and visit and pick fruit, take some home. I know in Seda, people pay to go and pick fruit right so maybe we can set up something like that in these areas where you know there is fruit and nobody there to pick it
1: yeah definitely i think um so like a lot of the kind of the labor um yeah so especially with like the older farmers um a reason why they kind of give up or they they tend to decide a date so they they would say on my 85th birthday I'll give up my farms or or kind of stop farming or on my 80th birthday I'll stop farming. And mainly it's just because they can't keep up with the actual kind of physical side of it. Um, And so, yeah, if there were more people that would support that side, then the farmers themselves could probably actually keep going for a few more years. Um, So that's a kind of... A big issue now so um yeah we're, we're trying to, we've got like this kind of volunteer group called uh tobishima life which is trying to get more younger people and also not just younger people but just people to kind of relocate, helping people who want to relocate to this area to relocate here um, and one of the big challenges is farming so yeah um, trying to connect people with who want to do farming with uh farmers who want to kind of give up farming so
0: if people did want to come out to mitarai and stay overnight Mm. are there places to stay there like if people want to have a slow travel experience
1: yeah there's lots of places so um there's like if you wanted to do something very kind of like like budget travel there's a really nice guest house here called Kusashi. um Mm -hmm. There's on the island, there's like a gramping site, glamping site, um, just on the south side. Um, and then if you want kind of more kind of upmarket travel, there's a place called Shintoil that's like really like, yeah, it's, a, it's a, I guess it's like really hot on the high end of the price scale. But, uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of variety of accommodation for
0: yeah nice so if you were to arrange like a a volunteer come visit pick fruit for a day hang out in the area stay overnight you know there's a lot of things that that you could set up or we could we could set up together yeah Uh, get people over there that'd be awesome
1: yeah so and also i think if um if people wanted to volunteer um there'll be so we can work with for example there's this group called mamina who have started the, all these different um, initiatives in this region called Kubi, which is on the north side of the island. Um, and they've got like places that you can stay. Um, probably, yeah. Well, depending on what kind of activities you do, like maybe for not that much money. So...
0: Yeah, that's great. Uh, we have a comment from C. Moody. Uh, yes, a lot of places you can pay to pick fruit, like strawberries, et cetera, and people love to do that as a day trip. I think that's so true. I, I would love to do that, especially, uh, it depends, nice weather, uh, nice area, good chance to meet locals, pick some fruit. It's, it's a nice experience outside, right?
1: Definitely. And like, um, so these islands are basically submerged mountains <laughs> so the fields tend to be kind of these terraced fields that climb up but i mean it it is a little bit um strenuous at times but the other the other thing is you get these fantastic views from the fields um, and yeah i mean some of the views are unbelievable so
0: amazing. Uh one other article I want to uh touch on okay. you talked about soy sauce show you nuvo.
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: Usukuchi soy sauce. I didn't realize that soy sauce is uh famous from the Setouchi area. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, so soy sauce um and we're going to have another uh article up there hopefully in the coming months. Um about uh, we're gonna feature a soy sauce sommelier sommelier um so called keiko-san who's um, who is this person on shodoshima um but yeah soy sauce is is really popular around here especially in shodoshima has a lot of uh, famous soy sauce makers but also on the next island oosaki kamijima there's um this amazing uh, that's the soy sauce okamoto soy sauce looks um, good and it's like they brew it in these really traditional vats um, wooden vats uh using like the microbes that are present in the in the building and on the vats um to create the fermentation so yeah i mean this is a if if you can yeah if people want to try good soy sauce this is this is it they've got like a like a three-year kind of vintage soy sauce, two-year, and I think a one-year.
0: And I'm, I'm also excited about the packaging here mm. um, because it's in glass bottles and uh, reusable or recyclable, not plastic, which actually is very difficult to recycle and reuse. Um, glass is much better. Go glass. Mm. Higher quality image too, right? Um, But it it looks fantastic. And that is the same thing I heard when I visited the miso factory Mm. in Fuchu, that the use of the old wooden barrels uh, back 300 years or so, and the bacteria in the building makes the miso taste better. So very similar idea, I guess, for shoyu, right?
1: yeah completely i mean i think the process is pretty similar as well so um yeah they the people at okamoto also uh create their own miso um but yeah it's it's almost yeah it's the ingredients you know you've got like soybeans you've got wheat water salt. Uh, i think it's it's a very kind of um Basic but extremely uh sophisticated kind of um yeah i don't know condiment <laughs> I guess it. it's
0: a staple it's yeah. used in everything it, especially i wish we could grow more soybeans in japan because soybeans are so central to so much of japanese cooking right
1: yeah definitely um and yeah like i mean you find soybeans everywhere so uh but I think I'm quite happy that now that you can get a lot of, um, I think the kind of Japan homegrown soybeans for natto. Uh, oh, you can? Oh, good. To, um, that's always good, yeah. Cause I think, I'm yeah. sure like 10 years ago, there was, there was like maybe one pack out of everything that was like homegrown natto. But...
0: Yeah, that's nice to see because it's such a staple food um it's it mostly imported from the states or or china right Mm. yeah awesome well we have about uh less than 10 minutes left tom is there anything we haven't touched on that you want to talk about
1: um i guess no i think um or maybe just the so like the cost of living over here is actually yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. so low. Um, so I think, uh, yeah, so half of the house is pretty much empty <laughs> and then the cost of living is low. So I think if people are interested in kind of like starting up their own thing, whether it's a business or just living in somewhere that's different to to the mainstream, then yeah places like these islands or next door in the shimanami kaido would be a really good choice Uh, yeah
0: yeah that's a really good point i think that's one of the biggest appeal uh, points to get people to move out of the big cities um the lower cost of living the bigger house and garden that's affordable um and you find that your not inconvenienced too much uh by living so far away from a city
1: yeah not not at all so um yeah we get amazon next day delivery (laughs) um we got we're gonna have uh high speed internet from april Um, so that's all good and i guess the fact that these islands are connected by bridges means that it's like a thirty-minute drive to the nearest kind of big supermarket. Um, it's about an hour's drive to Kure City, which is um, which is a kind of a fairly fairly big city. Um, and then it's about yeah, hour and a half drive to Hiroshima City. So yeah, in those kind, if you kind of think of it purely in terms of time then it's actually not that that bad yeah
0: can you give us a price range like how how much you were able to buy this house for and how much did it cost to remodel if you don't mind
1: um yeah so the remodeling probably cost about a including kind of all the fittings and everything uh cost about maybe eight million yen um and then the house was about i think about two million yen yeah
0: so to buy the house and land was two million and then the remodel was about eight million
1: yeah i think if you kind of think along those lines but then it was a bit difficult so the house was valued double that amount but then the owners i think because they wanted some, they wanted to sell to someone who is actually going to live here and kind of like contribute. So um, they kind of halved the price of the house. So.
0: Oh, that's great! So it's not just a holiday home. Uh, kind of, they people are actually going to be living here full time, and they they appreciate that. That's wonderful.
1: Yeah. So I think um, a lot of uh, like you really get the sense that. Like the, the connection between people and place is so strong uh, especially on these islands um, i think probably in rural japan um, as a whole um, so i think if you're from this area even if you live in hiroshima city or in tokyo or yokohama you you're always kind of like wanting to kind of support your hometown in whatever way you do. so i think selling your ancestral home is actually quite a big deal um and so you want to kind of sell it to someone who's gonna be a part of the community or kind of yeah do something in the area rather than as a just a holiday home yeah
0: i think so yeah definitely someone who's gonna Uh, be a part of the community. Um, This is a problem all over Japan. I often hear, like I've visited Kamikatsu town many times, the zero waste town. Uh, One of the big hurdles that they have is there is a lot of empty houses, but the owners, even though they don't live there, they have in mind that maybe somebody from the family might move back and use it someday, but that's very unlikely to happen. So even though there's people who want to buy it and renovate it and live there, there's a gap between what they can get and and what's available, right?
1: Yeah, so I think, um, and also, yeah, so it's kind of a little bit tricky. So usually if people either visit a lot or kind of, um, if the community gets to know these, the newcomers, then it's sometimes easier to, Oh, okay like you know i i wouldn't rent this to anyone but for you i'll rent it to you or you know you can buy this um so it's, it's all about these kind of personal connections that you make inside the community um so i think it's just difficult if you just kind of turn up and then say is there anything here that i can buy and then people will be a bit wary but um as soon as you get to know people then it gets a lot easier.
0: Yeah. I've heard that from a few people who've moved out of big cities like Tokyo or Osaka into the countryside. They always recommend going back again and again and staying in a hotel or a lodge and just spending time in the local area, getting to know some locals. And then when you're looking for a place to buy, you can usually find the best places. Uh, Did you find that as well? You guys were kind of renting and then you bought something
1: right yeah so i mean it was we were kind of lucky because because of my wife's job as a rural revitalization officer she like she in an instant she's kind of connecting to people all over the island um and so she has this really wide network of friends and connections and then um yeah so then within that those three years and then people know that we've only got that kind of three year contract and so we have to find a place to live after that. Um and so then that makes the conversations a little bit easier because everyone knows the situation, knows that we want to study and um, yeah. But I think um yeah, so I think yeah kind of coming back and forth and um visiting a location lots of times also kind of uh connecting with the there's usually like a key person in each community um so kind of connecting with that key person um and then maybe other people other newcomers as well is probably a good thing to do yeah yeah
0: great uh we have a great comment from christy uh she says uh, wow, this area looks stunning. What beautiful islands to explore. Thank you for sharing this lesser-known area. If someone doesn't share these places, many of us wouldn't ever think of going. So true. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. This is worth a uh, worth a visit.
0: Yeah, and if you're coming from the big city, make sure you stay at least two nights so you can really relax and enjoy it, right?
1: right. Yeah, and I think... Um, yeah if if you can come at different seasons i think that's also good um so even in like mid winter it's it, it does get a little bit cold but then on the plus side it's right right in the middle of citrus season and you got so Ooh. many varieties of <clears throat> citrus like oranges mikan's uh dekopon oranges and everything so yeah I recommend citrus season as well.
0: Oh yeah, and it's possible to stay warm. Have you found uh, your utilities are also quite reasonable for heating or cooling your house?
1: Um, I mean, they they can be. I mean, that's one thing that yeah, (laughs) yeah. We're kind of uh, because we've got like a little kid, we could probably be a little bit more sustainable on that front. We can. Kind of tend to keep the house a little bit warm um but uh yeah i think there's ways of kind of cutting those costs as well
0: one of the big reasons i did a twitter poll and one of the big reasons people said they would never move to the rural area is because of bugs so how's the bug situation not too bad
1: yeah i mean like i'm not gonna lie i mean if you come well two of the like the big ones uh um the mukade and also which are these kind of poisonous centipedes um, and also the big bees suzume bachi. but um, you can kind you usually kind of hear them coming or see them coming so it's not too bad you kind of get used to it um, yeah
0: and it's not like they're aiming for you it's not like they're really trying to get you right like if you you can kind of duck and dive and avoid them i find
1: yeah, um uh, definitely. I mean, the Susume Bachi, like if they do get you that it's pretty serious, but usually they yeah, they're just kind of doing their own thing and you just have to stay out of their way. And you can hear them coming because they sound like a Harley Davidson when they fly, so
0: they're very loud. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um
0: um and you've got all these great views to counterbalance and this wonderful country living which is more healthy to counterbalance any kind of bug irritation right (laughs)
1: yeah and, and to be honest like we so i think in the old houses you've got all these kind of like nooks and crannies where the bugs can get into um but yeah so when we renovated the house like everything's kind of very white and so it's very easy to spot any that have managed to get in and also i think because you kind of renovate the walls and there's less places that they can they can get in from. Um, so we haven't really seen that many in the in the house after we renovated.
0: Yeah I think yeah, as long as you keep it clean and uh, you have insulation, good windows, um, it's not any that different from the big city I would I would say. Um, now to, if people want to reach out and see your work and get in touch, what's the best way? maybe tominjapan.com?
1: Yeah, that would be the best way, um, and then either that or through the Setology Cookbook Instagram, I mean that would be a good way as well, um, and also if people wanted to uh, think about relocating, they can contact the Tobishima Life website, um, but yeah, anything, anything's fine. <laughs>
0: Great. And we'll put all those links below. Thank you so much, Tom, for joining.
1: Thank (laughs) you. It's been really interesting.
0: It's really fun to talk to you. And uh, we're collaborating on an exciting project uh, with an oyster farmer trying to make more sustainable oysters for the future. That's exciting. Mm -hmm. But after talking to you today, now I'm thinking of all these other great collaborative projects uh, we can do. I think uh, we're going to have to design a kelp burger sometime this year
1: <laughs> well, we could do like a kelp burger event on the island that be, that'll be
0: oh wouldn't that be great great fun yeah looking forward to that thank you so much tom yeah. thanks everyone thank you have a great day bye, bye.